This is Healthcare Strategies. Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. My name is Kelsey Waddell, and I am the Senior Editor of Healthpayer Intelligence and the Multimedia Manager for Extelligent Healthcare Media. In the healthcare industry, each new year brings new expectations about how old technologies will become more integrated into the healthcare system, what new technologies are on the horizon, and what health IT security threats will arise. We've asked five experts in healthcare technology, health IT security, and healthcare law to come on and share with us what they expect to be the major overarching trends of 2022 in digital healthcare solutions and security. Jake Harper, an associate at Morgan Lewis, filled us in on the high-level trends regarding uptake, utilization, and regulation of telehealth and remote patient monitoring, or RPM, in 2022. There are a number of different trends that we're looking forward to seeing how they play out in 2022. As you know, the last two years, while they've certainly been tragic and very trying for everyone, have also been the precursor that was really necessary to get telehealth out of the sidelines and into the mainstream. And so I think as a result of that, this is going to be, knock on wood, the first year where we have some degree of normalcy in terms of our everyday lives, perhaps. But at the same time, we'll be living in a time where we have more understanding of how telehealth works and how remote patient monitoring works. So I think it ultimately creates a lot of opportunities for clinicians to explore how in sort of their new normal, their go forward lives, telehealth and remote patient monitoring can be a component of that. Telehealth and RPM and other virtual care technologies have never been anticipated to be sort of the replacement for other things, but they're going to be a component or another tool in the toolbox for clinicians to be using and accessing different kinds of data when it comes to treating their patients, ultimately for the purpose of getting the best care for the patients that they ultimately can. So I think in this next year, we're going to see clinicians using telehealth and RPM on a more permanent basis and starting to get more comfortable with having a hybrid model from seeing patients perhaps virtually and then seeing them in person, having access to their data on a more consistent basis as opposed to seeing what their vital signs look like every six months. They might have an RPM session and see how a patient's vital signs are working for a period of you know 30 days or something like that. And so practically speaking, that education and that degree of comfort that clinicians are continuing to develop over the last couple of years, and that'll continue in 2022, will be really important for policy setting as well, because we'll be able to hear how clinicians are making the best use of these tools. And here's how we can develop policies that will support them, encourage good behavior, try to prevent bad behavior, and ultimately develop a better mechanism that can treat patients more affordably, more quickly, and get them the right care that they need at a certain time. So I think when it comes to things like law and policy, we're tracking a couple of different things right now. There's a number of bills that are on the table that are getting assessed by Congress to ultimately be potentially enacted. So one is the Telemental Health Care Act that's designed to remove the in-person requirement for telemental health care in the Medicare program. And that was as a result of the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021. There was this requirement that you see a physician every six months and before you start care. And that 
particularly in the mental health, behavioral health space, has led to some real challenges in the adoption of that because that type of service is separate from general clinical care and doesn't necessarily require that same level of in-person discussion to be able to develop and provide treatment options there. The other two bills that we're looking at are the CONNECT Act and the CURES 2.0 Act. And these would both remove a lot of the barriers to Medicare coverage for telehealth services, including removing the geographic area restriction and the originating site restriction on a permanent basis. And those will have pretty significant impacts in the Medicare population if they are enacted, because then that will enable much more comprehensive care when it comes to using virtual care for senior citizens. And I think there's been a lot of concern or debate about how much technology can senior citizens really rely on? How comfortable are they with these kinds of technologies? And I think, again, over the past two years, we've seen that even if people perhaps weren't comfortable with them in 2018, 2019, they've sort of by necessity had to become comfortable with talking to their grandkids over FaceTime or, or doing other kinds of things in a remote way. And so healthcare is sort of just a natural extension of that as well. So I think we're going to see a lot more there. When it comes to remote patient monitoring, we've had a couple of rounds of rulemaking from CMS for Medicare purposes, really focused on developing RPM as a solution. Then there were these remote therapeutic monitoring codes that recently came out. And so I think we're going to see a continued evolution in the RPM space. The codes are still a little cumbersome and really perhaps difficult to implement on a scalable, widespread basis for a lot of clinicians. And so I think there needs to be some additional retooling and tweaking of the policies related to RPM to enable it to be adopted in a more widespread way. And I think that's going to happen in the next physician fee schedule rulemaking. So that's going to be from CMS in July, perhaps. But healthcare professionals don't have to sit quietly on the sidelines waiting for policymakers to make the next move. Instead, Harper encouraged providers to step up and share their experience with CMS in order to help guide future policymaking around these digital healthcare tools. We're going to see a request for information. And so if people are interested in trying to provide clinical examples of how they're making an RPM system work, I think that would be really beneficial for CMS to hear. And that way, when they ultimately come up with additional rulemaking, they'll be able to really have a good background and a good understanding of how stakeholders are really implementing this technology. Well, one of the main themes of experts' predictions was that 2022 would see lots of technologies and workflows that were fairly new in 2021 becoming more normalized. That doesn't mean that innovation will just go on pause. Tim Bierman, Chief Technology Officer at Insono, expressed his expectations for the industry's adoption of public cloud. According to his search cloud computing article on techtarget.com, public cloud makes data available remotely using typical cloud computing structures either for free or through a range of subscription or on-demand models. We're going to continue to see more and more growth and adoption of the public cloud by the healthcare industry. The public cloud providers are doing so much to provide that flexibility. Even they're starting to get very interested and provide solutions and services around specific vertical industries, i.e. healthcare. So being able to take advantage of those in the right way is going to allow companies to continue to move quickly and move faster. Also, 
finding the right partners to leverage to make that leap is going to be an area that companies still evolve in. If you look at the growth in public cloud in this technology space, it's growing fast and talent is hard to come by. So I think as that adoption curve moves forward, I think healthcare providers are going to be still looking for who's the right partner that you partner with to help them leverage these new cloud technologies the right way and finding a provider that can help do things like, okay, I'm going to move to the public cloud, but I also have the stuff that's on the mainframe in my own data center needs to talk together. And can you find a provider that understands the complexity of both sides of that and pull that through? So I think that's going to be a trend as people move to public cloud, but also put this complexity together between both sides. Experts at different corners of the industry will obviously have their eyes on different areas for innovation. Amit Fadness, Chief Digital Officer for GE Healthcare, has his eyes on a couple of areas of technology that he sees as ripe for innovation in the coming year, in particular, artificial intelligence or AI. The first and foremost prediction that I have is that innovation to reduce burnout in healthcare will continue. And by that, what I mean is today, almost 50% of the clinicians are reporting burnout. And this is despite a lot of data being available a lot of tools, analytics, and AI-based techniques being available. But I do believe that this particular trend of using technology to reduce a lot of repetitive tasks from the clinician's workflow today would continue and would continue to become more and more effective as we go through 2022. There are a few examples that I wanted to give, but maybe one specifically. There is a lot of AI being embedded in devices, like for example, in ultrasound machines. And actually what that does is it actually reduces the workload on the clinician in terms of things like quantification or segmentation of an image, for example, or even in terms of being able to automatically report, right? So for example, today the AI algorithms can sort of automatically feed into at least parts of the report that the clinician is expected to fill when they read a particular scan. So a lot of these repetitive tasks can be automated and I think that trend will continue. The second prediction I have is that the clinicians will separate the wheat from shaft when it comes to AI. And what I mean by this is there is a lot of AI being developed, but clinicians are gonna be more and more selective about which AI they use and how they use it. What we have seen over the last couple of years is AI, if done wrongly or if not integrated correctly in the workflow, actually, creates inefficiencies rather than helping the clinicians. And this we have seen most prominently when the AI is not actually integrated properly in an existing clinical workflow, because that tends to fragment their attention from the task that they're doing and results in a fragmentation of the workflow itself. That obviously creates a lot of inefficiencies. The second thing that we are seeing is, you know, when it comes to complex clinical processes like in care pathways such as oncology or cardiology, the trend is to use multiple data sets from different modalities simultaneously to develop the AI algorithms. These multimodal AI systems give a lot more confidence compared to a single modality AI. By this, I mean you know combining data sets from imaging, from digital pathology, from genomics to get to a very specific biomarker. And that inherently improves the confidence, but also improves the accuracy of AI in the specific task that the AI is expected to do. The third prediction I have is sort of related to the second one, but this is more towards how do we use some of these technologies in precision health? And precision health will certainly revolutionize healthcare delivery. 
Take an example of cancer patients undergoing surgery to remove a tumor. Today, a lot of these type of interventions are being assisted through a number of AI-based tools. There is a very specific identification and quantification as well as characterization of the tumor. And the interventionist can actually sort of plan the surgery much more effectively with some of the tools, including navigation tools, for example. Now that's really an example of how precise the therapies can get. But secondly, AI is being used more and more now to detect a specific disease state and also detect the disease state very early. By detecting the very specific and precise disease state, you can actually target therapies much more effectively. So the pharma companies can actually prescribe a specific drug for that particular disease state, which improves the efficacy of the drug depending on the accuracy and precision of identification of the disease state. But the second thing that is happening here is that using the AI tools, we are also able to sort of detect the disease state upstream, which means very early in the disease progression. And as you can imagine, if that happens, then one, the cost of healthcare goes down significantly. The outcome for the patient improves dramatically because the therapies are a lot more effective in the early stage of disease detection. And if you can detect that, then overall the outcomes are great, both for the patient as well as from a cost perspective. Healthcare organizations aren't alone in finding that artificial intelligence has many benefits. Attackers are using the same technology to defeat healthcare systems, leaving data and patients vulnerable. Linda Malik, partner at law firm Moses & Singer and chair of the firm's healthcare privacy and cybersecurity practice groups, explained that in 2022, healthcare stakeholders and policymakers, including the Federal Trade Commission, or FTC, will have to take steps to combat and get ahead of these attacks. Artificial intelligence will continue to be at the forefront where healthcare and cybersecurity coalesce based on its increasing use with respect to medical devices and other types of technologies and therapeutics. The challenge posed by AI is due to its dependence on gathering such large blocks of data in order to learn. It will be important in 2022 to monitor data for safety, ethical, and privacy considerations since HIPAA does not directly regulate entities unless they're a covered entity or a business associate for a covered entity, which is often not the case in this context. For example, Commercial companies, such as biotech or large pharmaceutical companies, may develop, utilizing AI, a product used in a treatment setting for more quickly identifying diseases, such as diabetes or particular cancers. These entities are not covered entities or even typically business associates under HIPAA. The large amounts of data that are gathered, even if de-identified, can be more readily re-identified through developing technologies, thus making the data vulnerable to privacy breaches. And maintaining the security of such large volumes of data creates security vulnerabilities. I think the FTC will probably step in to do more in terms of regulation around AI in the privacy and security context. There needs to be transparency so that the data subject understands how their data might be used to promote the development of an AI-driven product. Malik also shared her expectations for upcoming legislation related to data privacy and security. 
Throughout the past year, advances in technology, including artificial intelligence, and ubiquitous use of social media have created the means to access huge amounts of identifiable personal data and correspondingly increase the threat of data breaches in the face of sophisticated hackers. Congress has introduced several consumer data privacy bills, and the Federal Trade Commission has issued guidance reiterating its focus on regulating the security of health data not governed by HIPAA. It is unfortunate that the breach law clause was recently cut in the defense bill because it's critical for regulators to define a breach in such a way that a federal agency can investigate what is important without being overwhelmed with noise. In light of these developments, we should be prepared for the passage of federal legislation in the U.S. in 2022 to create, at minimum, a federal floor governing the use and disclosure of identifiable data that is not currently regulated in a comprehensive manner by federal law. I believe that states will continue to enact and strengthen data security laws and broaden their enforcement authority. Like Malik, Mac McMillan, the chief executive officer at Synergistic, warned about the threat of attackers using artificial intelligence against healthcare stakeholders to infiltrate their systems. You're going to end up basically having a battle of the systems in terms of the security technologies that are out there that are trying to monitor and identify what's coming at them. And the thing that's coming at them becoming smarter at being able to evade them. But the weaponizing of artificial intelligence against healthcare stakeholders was not the only security concern that Macmillan had for 2022. We're going to continue to see more evolution as it relates to ransomware attacks that continue to focus more on the disruption side of things as opposed to the data theft side of things. The threat is figured out. It's much more lucrative and easier to just disrupt you than to worry about trying to exfiltrate your data. That's not going to go away anytime soon because we're still not doing all the things that we need to do to keep them from being successful. It's just that simple. I think as interoperability becomes more of a mainstream priority for healthcare organizations and we see more and more APIs that are being introduced between critical systems, I think we're going to see a rise in the number of attacks that are focused on compromising those APIs. Again, it's another area where we don't typically have a good consistent approach across the board in healthcare with respect to testing APIs for security. We're also going to continue to see more human-based attacks than just malware or the automated attacks that we've seen in the last couple of decades. And the reason I think that is because we are getting better at detecting things. We are getting better at monitoring things. We're getting better with respect to security technology's ability to learn about attacks and then be able to more effectively block them. And so the one thing that is more difficult to get better at is the unpredictable human element. I think we're also going to see more zero-based attacks. When I say zero-based, I mean zero-based malware attacks or exploit attacks, where the first time we see it is when it happens. It's harder to defend against. You don't know about it. You don't have any way of knowing what it looks like until it happens. We're going to continue to see our supply chain be an important part of our tax surface because it's painfully obvious that one of the easiest ways to break into a more mature organization is to take advantage of a partner who isn't as mature, who has some level of access into that 
larger organization in this environment. I think we're going to see more of what I call the multiple threat ransomware attacks, where I attack somebody who's an aggregator of services. By virtue of compromising them, I can compromise the downstream players as well, or by virtue of being able to extort them, I can extort the downstream players as well. So it may be that you don't even have the breach, but it's one of your partners who does, who is providing some critical service for you or hosting some of your data, and you get the ransomware note. The threat's just going to continue to get more sophisticated as they go. When it came to implementing solutions for these various types of attacks, McMillan drew a distinction between investing in health IT security solutions and achieving results. Yes, healthcare is doing a better job in terms of developing a program. They are investing more money in solutions and tools, but that's not the same thing as doing a better job. When you look at a lot of the breaches that have occurred, they're still occurring as a result of a threat taking advantage of either a mistake by a human or a weakness in the environment that they identify, whether it's something not configured properly, something not patched. They're not defeating the better security that the hospital is acquiring. They're defeating the performance of the program. I think everybody's kind of figured out that, yes, you need to build a program. Yes, you need to invest in, in technology and in solutions. But now we need to make sure that they're working. And that means we're going to need to see increases in testing and things like compromise assessments and security controls, evaluations or validations, meaning we're going to have to start actually testing those controls. It's clear that there's a lot of potential to accelerate innovation and integration of healthcare technology in 2022, but there are also high stakes if healthcare professionals fail to test the systems intended to protect those technologies and data. As you prepare for these advancements and risks in the new year, we hope you'll continue to join us every Monday as we share how to implement top healthcare strategies across the healthcare system. In case you didn't notice, this is the second part of a two-part prediction series. The first part was about consumer-centered healthcare, and it published the week before this episode. So if you missed it, find healthcare strategies on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc., and check it out. Thank you to all of our guests today, Jake Harper, Tim Bierman, Amit Fadnis, Linda Malik, and Mac McMillan, for offering your projections for 2022. And to our listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Feel free to reach out to us with any healthcare-related stories or questions that you think we should be covering. You can email me at kwadil at intelligentmedia.com. That's K-W-A-D-D-I-L-L at intelligentmedia.com with your thoughts. We look forward to hearing from you and have a great new year. This has been an Intelligent Healthcare Media production.